0: (laughs) We're coming good, Batalota. Uh, we're coming back again to talk about the Expanse episode four. Uh, I'm joined, as always, uh, by Sasate Katie.
1: Shit, I forgot to look over. It's <laughs> the- that's fine, that's fine, you know. <laughs> all good. It's
0: all good. No, I, I, you're. I didn't. I didn't give Katie homework for this one. I wasn't like, okay, so uh, I want you to have your tenses on the, and uh, you know think about the gender and, and be able to come up with at least three examples of. The wala, uh, conjugations.
1: <laughs> Look,
0: but, but I that's, that's I a
1: question. Threatening my family, I <laughs> do. Know if I need another language, okay. What what
0: what would what what would we call podcasters? Because like the idea of like a uh, profession in in Belter Creole is the like a term for it. Wala. So like, well, wala is like someone that lives in a gravity well. Like a uh, a uh, uh, a child, A uh, Psychologist is Gavi Walla. Or Walla. so would it be like Cast uh, Castwala?
1: Maybe. Uh, what is the? I mean, I guess no one's really doing radio in the Expanse, right? Is it tight beam? What's? I mean, the,
0: there's, st- there's, there's there's open beam stuff because remember, like they do like broadcasts from series and things like
1: that. They do have Monica, so you're right, which is relevant to this episode.
0: It is. What What do you think about this
1: episode? How do you feel about it? Oh, I had some feelings. I have some feelings about I love feelings episode. I'm a cancer, uh, so. And it's it's really hard because I don't want to be the person who's like, ah, the source Our material <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that, that was my struggle, too. That was my struggle, too.
1: But, I mean, I have, like, a whole thing that I want to discuss about that and the the way in which it sort of um, – divorces itself from the original material and is getting just absolutely 100 percent into anime territory
0: so well yeah because we for i think we'll we'll let's let's save the book talk for the end i do think that this episode was the one where i was watching i was like whoa we just took a hard right off the books (laughs) and like i don't know where we are anymore i'm a little scared not of like again the the show but just it was this was the point where I was like, oh, I can't really know what's going to happen next now. Like, I know the, the broad contours, but I really don't know what's going to happen for our characters. So what are some of the things that kind of stuck out to you, like things that you enjoyed about this episode or uh, kind of initial thoughts after watching it? I After the first three episodes, I found myself enjoying this episode, but also finding it a little bit... I wanted more of the Earth and the consequences from the asteroid, like... That was something that really didn't quite feel there. Like I, I saw scenes of like you you see Avicerala with like the the galley scene with like all these people clustered around their phones. It felt very like nine eleven ish. And then you know they see the asteroid system stop things. Um, there just wasn't a lot of devastation to Earth. There's only three asteroids that hit, so I, I just needed more of like what's going on on Earth right now. And I you know yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I'm wondering if this is just something that's being drawn out or if like this is it. like oh, just just the three asteroids hit. not that bad, guys. If that's the case, what is their motivation? like what is the like directors and writers motivation for doing it in this particular way? Um, I know that when they did the whole like series meteor, they like way reduced the population that they reported. Uh, as having died uh, versus like say the books and i know we're not really talking about the books but you know in order to make it seem like the casting that you've seen the amount of people holds up right like you can you know you only have like maybe a few dozen people you've seen on series station so saying that's a million is kind of hard to conceive so i'm wondering if it's like that like just trying to scale it down per the cast or if it's something that they're going to draw out throughout the season of like more and more devastation, the ratcheting up of the stakes um, for this particular type of attack and building both Marcos and Aros character, like the relationship with Nomi and Philip. So I'm not sure if that's what's going on. Um, My bet is, and I know we're almost like halfway through the season, so I know it's not really like an early bet, but my bet is like, I'm probably going to enjoy the stuff with earth and Luna the most, mostly because I'm of course, like I always love Ava Sorala, but I even more love her this season now. Um, She's got some like really snarky stuff coming through um, while also still being like an an empathetic character who, you know, she cares. She's just very bossy about it. And, you know, you got to love her for it. Um, So I, I like that. I like what they're doing with that. I, of course, want to see more of Amos and Peaches and their their buddy story, um, how that portrays itself on camera. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, oh, I have no idea where the fuck they're going with this now. So, Well, to go back to
0: your point, um, one of the things that I love about The Expanse is the way that the show shows scenes and characters in ways that are not easy or lazy. And what I mean by that is I think of like our discussion last week about sort of like P- um, not peaches, uh, Amos and Prax and <laughs> how uh, just that scene of like I'm not that guy is like such a pivotal thing that reveals so much about the nature of Prax as a character, about Amos as a character. And there's so much we can explicate from that. I was really struck this episode by the scene where the general comes to her office and he says, I'm a coward and I, and I should have done this harder. She doesn't reply. She lets us sit there. I feel like I imagined if this was like a fucking Aaron Sorkin TV show, like that would be like the, the launching off point for a whole diatribe about values and courage and honor. And this show is just like, it, it lets these characters have these moments of confidence. It, it has a confidence in itself that I just like, I, I am struck by how difficult or, um, I'm struck by how well done they are. And just the the show just has a confidence to it that just like, yeah, Avastral is not gonna she's not gonna confirm it. She's not gonna yell at this guy. She's just gonna let him say this statement about himself and then he's gonna have to accept it and move on. And that's how life is. And I just I love those little moments. And I love that the show gives us the opportunity for those moments.
1: Yeah, and, and those it's great. And then when it does when it t- sort of takes this weird turn with Fred it's it's kind of jarring because you're like well you you have these moments like where you're you're conscientious enough to write these characters in like an interesting compelling and very human way and then this just seems so cheap and i'm not saying it seems cheap because um you know betrayal and the gun right cuz that just seems overdone it seems trite and I, as a viewer and just, like, as a fan, I was just like, huh? Like, I didn't have a lot of feelings about that, which sucked because this is a great character. This is a great actor. There was definitely that moment where, like, they're essentially, I guess, wheeling him away. I guess floating him away. <laughs> 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 where I'm like, oh, yeah, that dude did.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, you, got, you got a friend Popsicle just kind of like traveling down the hallway. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I'm like, well, that's some good acting. Um, and, and yet, like, the way that it was done, it just kind of felt ambiguous about the whole thing um and then a tachikoma shows up but it's just like wow okay this is happening we're just going full-on just belter anime which i guess is fine
0: you you of course noticed the uh labeling on the the droid right
1: uh i don't know if i did it it
0: said savage industries which was a nod to adam savage the um mythbusters guy Mm -hmm. who's like a he's an expanse super fan he had a cameo. in the Venus probe. He's one of the guys like one of the um science officers, I guess. On the the Venus probe that gets like taken apart over Venus um yeah. at the end of oh. season 2, I think.
1: the uh Arbalest or Yeah, the Arbalest, Arbogast. yeah. Arbalest. Gotcha. So, okay. Anyways,
0: that that was a that was a very purposeful nod to him. He uh his company, Savage Industries does like prop making and things like that, so he's done like YouTube videos that are Really great dives into like how they've like weathered guns and just a lot of very like nerdy behind the scenes stuff that um, is very interesting well, if you enjoy that stuff. That tracks because
1: I I'm pretty sure I don't remember this this sort of tank uh, in no nope, that was not in the books yeah and like I again like I'm trying not to be that person like well in the books it was blah blah but you know um, I guess I was just trying to think like what is the what is the purpose behind introducing this? And I guess the answer was like, we just wanted to give Adam Savage money.
0: And well, he,
1: probably, okay. he probably just finished like his 15th rewatch of ghost in the shell. So there, here we are.
0: So man, it's, I almost feel like what will be helpful for this discussion is to have like tier gradients, like of spoilers where it's like, there's like <laughs> super spoilers. And then there's regular spoilers because like, let's just kind of like dive into that because I feel like this is this was the first significant turn in the show for what um, the storyline is for us that have read the books. and I think like to talk about where the show is going, which we don't know anymore we have ideas and um, I think Kate and I talked about those last week we don't know though. so like these are not like informed definitely gonna happen things now at this point so i think we're i would say if you're should in read the books you know tune out um please keep listening to the podcast in general though um and uh, yeah we'll kind of dig into that so fred johnson's death
1: wow i i hate to say it it was like it was super broadcast right like i, I was not at all shocked and because i was not at all shocked i was kind of bored by it. I'm like, oh, Fred Johnson gets shot by a gun. And the irony is, you know, um, all the other ways in which people die in this universe. So it, it almost felt like some sort of cheapening of, like, the martyr or, like, hero's death. And he supposed-
0: actually has in the books.
1: Right. His, like, his I guess- death
0: didn't feel meaningful to me. And that was...
1: Like, it was a moment of betrayal, but it... So, but I do want to compare it to the books um, because I felt the books did something interesting because in the books, his death is way, way more mundane than it is oh, with yeah. being shot. He just dies from a fucking heart attack from, like, what, 3G, I think? Like, just basically, like, peeling out of an atmosphere too fast. He just fucking has a heart attack. And I remember like being like, Oh my God in the book, because of how just regular mundane it was. Like the books were trying to remind you like with everything going on with like mega plots employees and, and alien technology and hard vacuum, people still just fucking die with from like regular ass shit, like a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, even big, characters who like you expect if they're going to go out it's going to be in a field of glory or some some amazing um new gut-wrenching way and to do it this way was i like in in the way the books did it was so human and so interesting for that reason as like a reminder of like we are not actually as detached from this universe that that you know that these books are taking place in, as we like to think, and so it was kind of a way to like ground you. And it was it was notable um, in how uh, relatable it is with like how how people still die today, unfortunately, with myocardial infarctions. So um, you know to do it this way with a gun, which is perhaps I guess more exciting than a heart attack, was somehow more boring and more disappointing to uh, me so i think in the books
0: i mean you you did say he has a heart attack but he, he dies in the service of a larger cause um like because i believe he is on one of the ships that's trying to capture marco and he's on the uh, Rosinante, i believe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so that but um they do it from like a high g situation that's that's why he has the heart attack if i recall correctly yes and I think that to me, it just felt a, a little bit purposeless, and, and that mm-hmm. was something that like I wanted more of. Um, I wanted more this episode. I just found this episode left me wanting a lot more. Even the moments I found myself moved, like I was really I, I choked up when uh, in two scenes, undersecretary Gao's ship fall, like uh, you know falls out of the sky. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the thought of losing such an influential character or leader. You know, like what? What is the devastation of that? That's a big deal. And then, um, the moment when the ast- the asteroid spotting guns have been reoriented and they fucking save the day. You know, like I-, I I teared up at that moment too. But uh, like I said earlier, I-, I wanted more of the devastation. Maybe we'll get that now that we're going to be with uh, Amos and Clarissa as they are trying to escape the the jail cell. Um. I think this speaks to something that is a plot line that is being excised from the books. So uh, for people that haven't read the books, the initial asteroid attack is very successful. And I do think in this show that um, I was just rewatching watching it in preparation for us recording. Uh, at the end of it, Marco Inaro says, okay, we only got three. Um, and then I think like three missed and three more were destroyed. The, the crux of the plot in the books was that Earth is devastated by the asteroids and to such a point where it's basically on life support. Like the ecology is completely devastated. The show I don't think is gonna do that. I don't think it's gonna show the level of devastation. I think it'll be impactful. It'll be devastating, but it will not be the point of like um I, I was struck by um there's this great scene where a belter um I don't know if they're an ecologist or like a Uh, horticulturist in the books is like I've done the numbers I've done the math we are all fucking dead if we don't fix this earth problem if we don't stop fighting amongst ourselves we're fucking dead and I love that sort of like storytelling because one I think it's very relevant to our world today in terms of global warming Um, it also reminds me very much of like Dune that sort of like systems theory of understanding those things and I don't think that we're going to have the time or space to do that in the way the show is playing out right now.
1: Right. And I'm wondering if they cut that, at what point they decided to make that decision. Like, was that early on or later on where they were like, okay, this is like hitting a little too close to home. We need to, we need to maybe walk it back a little bit and maybe not be as depressing where, you know, like half the world is wiped out by a sec, you know, essentially a second massive asteroid, uh, Impact it's the dinosaurs 2.0, yeah. yeah, exactly. Jurassic Park, let's do it again, baby. Um, let's get some Jeff Goldblum. Um, so maybe that's why they did it, or like I said, maybe they could not. Maybe trying to track the devastation across so many continents was I'm just sorry,
0: I'm just imagining like Belter Laura Dern now. Like, <laughs> Earth creates Mars, Mars devastates Earth, and inherit the system,
1: <laughs> exactly. If, if only I was if only I was good at graphic design. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they just walked it back because they're like, we can't show all this. And also it's too much of a downer. Yeah. Let's just show stuff that we can track that's relevant. So the relevant stuff is going to be Amos. And of course, um, you know, Mr. Avis Ralla Reloaded Hot Version, um, who we haven't heard from. So maybe, you know, they have like, Uh, They haven't had any dialogue on screen yet. I I don't know if that actor is just still around or if he's on something else. Lit. R.I.P. This is the thing,
0: too, is, like, when you only have three asteroids that hit Earth, the amount of devastation that those can cause is significantly less than, like, oh, my God. There's, like, it was just a beautiful moment in the books of, like, a sense of crisis and the utter feeling of powerlessness that I felt as I read them.
1: Right. Um, it was de-
0: this is we don't know when this is going to stop this is like outside our control we just don't like just batten down the hatches and pray to god and I, that, right. that sense is not there and that's what i again not to be the the person that's like oh the books are better i just i'm missing that sense and i, I wish it was in the show
1: yeah. Cause I think the purpose of, so in the book, like when this originally went to the storyline, I was a little confused because we had done so much ramping up with the alien technology. And I realize now it's to bring it back to like why you should care. Like, you know, when it's, you know, quite literally galaxies away and another planet, it's easy to disassociate of like how far removed we are from that. Um, even if you can empathize like with the characters A lot of times in sci-fi, you're like, "Well, that is just so foreign to me that you know the stakes just don't feel as much." Or like, "I can't relate to them as much." So to bring it back and be like, "Oh, by the way, uh, like everyone you know would probably be dead right now." Um, so just FYI, (laughs) it's like just want to to bring this back to you. Uh, still human, still
0: yeah, that 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 sense of fragility because in the books all these colonies are being established, but they're not set up to like survive. They still need earth. Everyone still needs earth as the breadbasket of humanity. It's the only like quote unquote safe place we can go in the entire universe that we know of that, like we've evolved on, we're adapted to, we can thrive here. And yeah. that's gone. And, and that, that sense of, um, I think that also kind of plays into Philip's speech at the end, where, because in, in the books, it's very much a purposeful thing of, it's time to get rid of Earth. It's not just an attack. It's like we need to throw off the shackles of being bound to gravity and assume our our true nature as humans, going out amongst the stars, and our existence is not to be on a planet. And this Marco Anaros is is different. And I'm still struggling with like trying to get into this Philip and his mother or this uh, Marcos and his motivation and things like that.
1: Yeah. It doesn't seem as calculating. I thought Marcos uh, is, I'm not sure if they've established this in the show or if they're going to even, if it even relevant, but about him being like, not only does earth suck shit, but uh, we also don't want the alien gate, right? Because that is an erasure of Belter identity entirely. Right. Once you go down the well, Are you still a builder? Um, Will that erase our culture? If everyone's going out to these other planets, what do we have left? Um, So, you know, and and a lot of that sort of thinking was, you know, well, you could maybe see where he's coming from. But like, this is this is identity. Cultural genocide. Yeah, it's cultural genocide, and it has been for a long time. And this is just a new, a new flavor of cultural genocide on top of everything. So you can kind of see it. But in the show, he's just sort of like—I mean, even down to the imagery—you're like, it's just some anarchist, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just—it seems very impulsive. It's not, it seems childish. Now, what I will say, they did right is every time I hear Marcos speak in this show, like when he's talking to either Philip or Naomi, it gets my hackles up because uh if anyone talks down (laughs) well not just talking down right but it is it is very much a like these the tone and the words that are chosen are very much familiar to anyone who has you know had the misfortune of being in an abusive relationship about this idea of i set the script and i'm going to do it so confidently and i'm going to turn all of your friends against you like that is like, it kind of gives you some anxiety sometimes. So, but that's the whole point of it in, in this context, like the show definitely wants you to feel that way. And it's very intentional, but man, does it like, it almost gets into triggering territory for me <laughs> sometimes. Cause like, I do hate it. I'm like, Oh, I, I could, because I know this, I know this tactic. I know this person, even if he's not necessarily like, you know, uh, a zero G terrorist per se. Um, but uh in that regard i think they they nailed his sort of um the the sort of charisma of like someone who is like i mean yeah and and of course like we're probably going to go through that journey with with philip as well as you know when he has the harsh lesson of realizing exactly what his father is um So I'm not sure how they'll do that or where they'll go with it, or if they'll even necessarily do it. I think they probably will. Um, I don't know what ultimately they're going to do with either of those characters as, as we've seen, like the show is willing to take some liberties with their characters and rewrite them and like sort of redirect where things going. And it's just kind of using the books as a general scaffolding. So, I guess like yeah, it's it's just speculative. I think it's still kind of overall still going in the same direction. We just don't know the scale or the uh, the details just yet. So well, I, I did
0: appreciate a lot this episode that we finally got to see Philip and Marco engaging with each other, like because that was something that was missing. I think I talked about our last episode that like I wanted more of Philip seeing his father and the sort of paternalism, I mean, it's paternalism nakedly, of Marco Anaros towards his son and that was here in this episode, which I really enjoyed um, to see that dynamic and to see him sort of like being hurt by his dad and you know, when his dad just calls him you know, uh, a child basically and Mm -hmm. that struggle to ascertain that, no, I'm still a person so um, yeah, no, I really appreciated that and that was a good part of it. The speech at the end was a bit speechifying. Like, it was a
1: bit much. Um I thought, like, I was like, so are they going to cut to another astra? And they did. And I'm like, well, that was just kind of boring. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah. This feels not- like a middle chapter in a, a book that, like, I'm excited to get more into, obviously. it's we- it, it, It's just so weird for me. It just, like these moments that like resonated with me and I, I was like happy. I loved the philosophy of the episode, generally speaking
1: up until the end. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bored with how they went about it because I think there could have been more exciting things. Like right now they're definitely, uh, I'm not sure how deep they're planting the seeds of like how deep the conspiracy for, the free Navy goes and like, I, I think we're going to see
0: Laconia in season six. Like this to me just suggests that even stronger because I think that we're going to skip um the, the time jump forward. Maybe that'll be like in between like seasons five and six. I think, yeah, we're going to see the free Navy get dealt with, I think pretty quickly here.
1: Probably, especially um, with how, you know, you know, they do with um, drummer, uh, since, you know, she's kind of originally, right, like, associated with him, like, you know, oh, I kind of, like, vaguely go along with this, but then quickly is like, ah, actually, this, seem, this seems bad. Well, um,
0: she was the person, uh, she actually joined up against Marco because of that existential threat of, uh, like, yeah. the, the solar system collapsing, and she was like, okay, well, then, if, if this is gonna happen, then I gotta stop this guy from continuing to do this, and I appreciate that motivation a lot. Like that, that resonates with me a lot.
1: Yeah. So we didn't see her <laughs> interpelecule this, this uh, episode. So I guess we'll see. I mean, a lot of times, not so much in this series, I suppose. Like a lot of times, like the mid, the mid episode like, around five or six is where it's like, Oh shit. You know? And then it kind of like goes in this, uh, almost like a sine wave, um, for like, Intrigue or writing, and with them, of course, like being good stuff every now and then. But yeah, this episode really dragged for me, especially because what was it? I don't understand why they renamed the racing ship. Shit, I'm blanking. The Razorback. The Razorback. I don't know why they renamed it. Like, like that's dumb. Um, but that's fine. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I guess that's fine. I guess they wanted to do it like for the fans who supported. Cassandra yes, which oopsie daisy now we all look like assholes now um i don't understand the whole like thing like i don't understand like the writing behind bobby's like sort of soliloquy i get it right like oh here's her her childhood look she's so relatable and and, and like empathetic and you want to like her as a character but like there are ways to do it in a way that doesn't seem patronizing to your audience, but I don't know, maybe I'm being too generous with like the majority of TV audiences. So (laughs) who's, I
0: I think, you know, as I hear, as I listen to you and hear myself, like, I think there's an element of mourning that we're doing for like the book storylines that were very rich and textured and in a way that TV shows may not get the opportunity to be. Uh, or may not be able to, or, or may not choose to, you know? Right. So,
1: I mean, yeah. there's always going to be that. Like, books just generally have more real estate to to dive into those at where TVs, like, still have budgets and, like, time restrictions. I, mean, and like I it, mean, I have a hot take that I think
0: the Lord of the Rings movies are better than the books, but that's, like... Okay, that's fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you do have someone... Sometimes just,
0: adaptations are better.
1: Sometimes, okay. sometimes 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 just most of the but time not always <laughs> well especially <laughs> his- historically in most like sagas or you know things like this or i don't know game of thrones i feel like there are a lot of injustices done because it's like they they think low of their audience and like i don't know mm. maybe that's not misplaced um For me, I think the Expanse only tells a good story, but like the part of the draw and the richness of it is just how based it is on like technology and science that we already know, Um, and those like little details um, and things like that. I don't know, and and the interpersonal relationship. But I get like you can't have that many main characters. Like that many storylines would become very convoluted. Understandable, Uh, but. There's something that's just kind of lost when you glaze over it like this. I don't know. I, but maybe it's because I do have a connection to a lot of these characters, the way that they are, are written and in this very dynamic, rich, intriguing way that I, you get to see played over, I don't even know how many thousands of pages um, that the TV show, I guess I'm just making excuses at this point because like I just really, no, no, I don't know. I tend to be good and, I, i'm i'm having I'm having some doubts uh
0: see, I think it'll be good. I just it's look, we spend time with things that I totally get why they're doing it. like you are gonna have this like rough and tough, bald prison guy who's probably gonna come back later on and be an antagonist for Amos. you know, like, that's what come up in this next episode or two, yeah, but. I, I I hear a, so like in the books Bobby's character arc we, we get to see her being sensitive not from this moment of her telling the story about this rat that she had an investment in but we see it from her um, becoming part of the Rossi crew and then eventually owning the Rossi herself mm-hmm. like the idea of being a captain is like really important to her it's this developmental moment um, that is what matters in like her arc and so this is you know using bobby as a prop within the storyline to communicate to the audience what's going on and you're kind of like i don't know if this works for me because that's not the bobby that we know and it's hard for me to imagine the bobby of the show having this moment with anyone but like avastrala or alex frankly yeah like those are the people that she's the most vulnerable with yes um so at least like that is spot on i think in the
1: show well sure Um, yeah, if she's gonna open up to anybody it's going to be most likely Alex yes um and like I do I do want to see their friendship get deeper and I just know that that's not like after the season that's all the cards though no. yeah, yeah so now like all 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 my bets are on you know Clarissa and Amos and saying like their friendship um you know blossom uh and God I just Please don't make it into a romance. Just please don't make it into a romance. I
0: don't think they will. I mean, I would hope not.
1: I I no, after, is... after the Fred thing, I'm like, don't you come in here and insult me in my house. Like, how fucking dare you? But I think... Men t- and women can be friends and not romantic. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? A psychopath and another psychopath can bond and share that for, I don't know, like five decades. Um, I will say uh,
0: the actress for... Clarissa, trying to blank her name right now. Great work this episode. Um, Really appreciated that. And um, I'm happy that she's back in the cast. I really love the character in the book. So it's really a a treat to see her coming back. And um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess that's like the only thing I uh, like. I can say that solidly this season, all of the casting was done super well. I don't think I've had a single like issue with who I think they've cast or like any of the acting that I felt fell short. I think everyone was like, that we've seen has done a great job. I'm actually really surprised that the actor that they got, who looks just like the character, like Naomi's character uh, is also apparently doing a pretty good job at like conveying this sort of like blind uh, idolization of his father. And like this uh, very notable. He has a lot of lifting
0: to do. He has a lot because there's so much like Philip is such a key character. Yeah. He has his own like chapters in the book. So like, yeah, gotta communicate a lot as an actor, just like with these moments that you, because you don't have an
1: interior monologue to put out there. But I totally am believing like this teen contempt for his absentee mom and his like undying, unquestioning love, uh, unquestioning question mark love for his dad. Um, that we'll see more of. So I appreciate that, and I just I hope that kind of keeps keeps building up steam. Um, I know that's like a lot to like you know to do, especially from this actor that I've never seen before and. <laughs> 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 um, just sort of, it's really he's doing a bang up job of being like 18 you know trademark and uh so i i do i do really and of course you know um i'm like fucking blanking on like at literally all of the ca- actress names <laughs> um you know those guys dominique uh, tipper
0: or and all, of James, uh, Stephen all of them steven Straits.
1: All of them, I don't know. It's, an, it's not important to me. So, I mean, I, I do, yeah. So the, the Frankie cr-
0: Adams, if you're listening, please marry me. Thank you, bye.
1: Frankie Adams can come to any one of us and do a body slam. <laughs> yeah. and we would be like, thank you, Frankie Adams. And no, like, no, there's a. Where I mean, it'd be fine. Like, listen- I'm straight, and I still want Frankie Adams to body slam me into the ground and kill me. So, you know, I think that's fine. There's
0: a a comedy bang bang sketch where jillian jacobs they they she's trying to lure a character who's a trillionaire and <laughs> one of the other characters tells her we have to grab someone's nuts and swing them around your head and that's how you convince them to fall in love with you and marry you and i just feel like of all the people that could do that it's probably frankie adams that could do that and be like okay yeah sure i'll marry you now <laughs>
1: yeah that's how you do it some 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 tips tips for me too apparently (laughs) that's how you get a a ring on it i thought it was being very good at sex but turns out
0: for trillionaires apparently this is a a trillionaire exclusive tip so normal people might might not work on but trillionaires love that stuff so
1: okay power fist and nuts got it okay yeah but (laughs) yeah there's not
0: as much to talk about this episode or we we're only talking about one episode as opposed to multiple episodes Let's hope this week's episode, which um as of recording, just dropped.
1: I would like to hear other people's opinions on how they are going to make this season more of the expanse, the anime. I have some theories about like what they might do and like the tropes they might fall into, because right now that's kind of how it feels like it's going to me. Um but now the ring
0: builders are like giant kaiju and that's why the gates are so big.
1: They kind of are, but I mean like down to like you know, uh, a lot of the female characters being like the tsundere characters, and you know who's gonna be—he's gonna fall into these tropes. I want to hear like people extrapolating what they know about the Expanse to fit into anime tropes. Uh, I just—I want to hear those hot takes.
0: Okay, so tweet at AnimeWeedFart69 Six. <laughs> your. Uh, anime takes on the Expanse uh, and that Second Star Cast. Um, I will not be able to get them because I don't watch that much anime. Uh, so I've, Matt? I'm working on it.
1: Jim Belushi there. did it. Jim Belushi did it. You can too. Okay,
0: yeah, but Jim Belushi should not be like an argument data point in favor of things. Like that, That's not a well-supported <laughs> argument to like be like, Jim Belushi would do it. You're like, okay, yeah, there's lots of things that Jim Belushi has done. <laughs> <laughs> I will not back up. So <laughs> touche. Belter Creole for the week. So we talked. We did. Thank yous.
1: I guess people could also tweet at us about like what phrases would you like us to decode. <laughs> By the way, we're going to do it poorly. We're going to absolutely fuck it up. Not in just pronunciation, but in how we believe these sentences would be structured. So if you want something fun and extremely stupid and then having us defend our logic behind it logic being a very generous word for it um i think that would be fun and by like our listeners i mean like two people who i <laughs> this experience. yeah who have watched all of this and can like get all of these very specific niche intersections of references so
0: so so i think it's relevant for us as terminally online people <laughs> to talk about the bone hurting juice <laughs> and so our right, your Belzer creole for the week dear listeners uh i need the juice <laughs> uh, uh, uh speaking of that juice i want to log off and get to the next episode so we'll be back next week and uh talking more about the journey of these two poor book readers into watching this show Thank you very much for listening.
1: Oh wow, there's like one with there's like the one it's excellent. Oh god. <laughs> it's like it's two x's and then there's an e with an accent on it. Oh lord.